Hi, this is Pastor Bobby Andy, and what is it that makes a nation great? We look at the United States of America, I'll tell you this, it's the faith that you have in your heart being manifest to the people around you, the testimony you're giving. We're gonna talk about that today. What is it that makes a nation great and how it affects everything around us? Let's be blessed with the Word of God today. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello, welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Great to have you here today. With all the mess that's going on in our country, with all the mess that's going on in our nation, what's going on around the world, we're gonna to talk today about what does strengthen a nation. And even before Jesus comes, we can strengthen our own nation, the United States of America and others around the world that might be watching this. And uh, somebody might send a copy of this. You might be watching on YouTube around the world. It simply comes back to this. There's certain things you can do as a Christian to strengthen your nation. I think today what we see people around us doing is say, well, if we just get good people running for office, that will help. But strengthening of a nation comes through believers. Your life and dedication to the Lord, to winning souls, preaching the gospel, uh, witnessing for Jesus. This is what really strengthens a nation. America was built in great strength, but we often, I've heard this said before, is that God supernaturally started the United States of America. No, God supernaturally helped a group of people who wanted to build a nation on the principles of the word of God. They made a choice. We've come out of all this oppression. We want to start a nation. What would a nation be like if we built it on the word of God? In fact, included scriptures from the Bible in our constitution, in the different uh, laws we have in our nation to establish it upon the word of God. That's what has made America great. And it's even been said in the past by our own leaders that America and this type of government will only work among a strongly moral people. Well, there's a difference between morality and spirituality. What God wants as far as morality is, is it be a product of you being spiritual, not just the fact that you're conservative in your in your viewpoints of government or running of a nation, because it's possible to be conservative and not be born again. But God wants born again believers who understand the word of God and their morality comes from obedience to the scriptures. And we're going to take a look today at Hosea chapter 4, so turn there. We're going to take a look at these verses, the opening verses of Hosea chapter 4. This so closely ties in with Romans chapter 8. That I, that's what I'm offering is the book of Romans for you today because in chapter 8 of the book of Romans, this same principle is dealt with that as Christians serve the Lord, it actually blesses the planet. It blesses your nation and the strength of your nation. You may, where There's always going to be liberalism. There's always going to be those headed toward communism. There's always going to be those promoting sin and trying to call it a, a good way of living or just a normal way of life. There's always been that. This is not something new in our nation. It's been around for centuries, but what counteracts it is not just getting good people into office. That's the natural way of counteracting it, but it's a spiritual warfare, a spiritual battle, and it comes from Christians being obedient to the voice of God, to the word of God, and living for the Lord. Let's take a look here at Hosea chapter 4, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. And so the primary thing that will save a nation, this verse is not saying a whole nation has to come to the Lord for salvation to be successful. This verse is saying, hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. And this is what the thing is saying. If the people who are born again, the one who are spirit-filled, trust God and love his word, if you'll come back to the word of God, you can help to strengthen your nation. 
throughout the word of God, revival has not come because we changed the government, but changing of government has come because there was revival. Revival is what prompts it and people being born again, but also those who hear the voice of God, know the voice of God, return to the power of the Holy Spirit. We find in the Old Testament that when Jonah went to Nineveh, Jonah didn't walk down the street saying, elect this person, elect that person, get this person in office. Uh, if we'll just change the government. No, he walked down the street yelling one word, repent, repent. And they did from the king down to the peasant. And the, the uh, nation of Nineveh, the city of Nineveh was about to be destroyed and God was going to allow it, but he stopped it because of the change of the heart of the people. I'm sure sinning still went on for a while, but began to drop off because why? The heart of the nation had changed. So God is not saying here a whole nation has to come to the Lord for salvation to make the nation successful because many nations have been successful by coming to unchanging foundational principles, which have their roots in the word of God. I'm talking about conservative principles, conservative politics. And if we have that thing, a nation can be strong, it can be stable, but what God is looking for is something beyond that, a stable nation with one goal in mind. Let's evangelize the world. Let's fulfill the Great Commission. And the greatest in the past numbers of years has been the United States. But right now we're being eclipsed by other nations of the world who are sending out the gospel while we sit back and argue over trivial things in our nation. Is a man a woman? Is a woman as a man? Can we abort babies? I mean, we go down the list of things that is so ignorant as far as uh, coming and even having discussions on this because we ought to know by a moral sense inside of us, these things are wrong. National success and stability increases with an increase in mature believers, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why there's two messages found in the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. But the second part is go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them. The principle is this, People come to know the Lord through the preaching of the word of God. They become disciples by the teaching of the word of the Lord. Proclaiming the gospel and teaching the word are the two parts to the Great Commission. And when a nation decides that's what they're going to do, God says there's special privileges built into that. So what it comes back to this is, again, we are the salt of the land. And we need to renew our savor because this is what Jesus said. He said, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its savor, what good is it? It can be trampled under the feet of men. Salt never quits being salt. It's always salt. The point comes back to this. Is it good salt or bad salt? Is it salt that works or salt that doesn't work? He mentioned about being a light. He says, you are the light of the world, but don't put it under a bushel. A light is always a light. You can't change that. But what he's simply saying is, is it a light that shines or a light that doesn't shine? Are you a Christian that shines or a Christian that doesn't shine? Have you taken the lamp and put it under a bushel so that no one can see it? Oh, you're still lit. Yes, the Holy Spirit's still in you, but the world can't see the light. Are you salt? Of course you are the moment you got born again. But are you salt with savor or salt without savor? Are you good for helping to heal the land around you? Are you good for nothing? But in both cases, you're still a Christian, but are you being an effective Christian? That's exactly what a disciple is. It comes back to this again. Are you the salt of the land or do you need to renew your savor as salt? Are you the light of the world? Then come back and take the bushel off of it and let's become effective to those who are around us. What this is simply saying is the, the liberal and conservative viewpoints of life come again from correct viewpoints, but are you really coming at it from the area of being a Christian or not? You can be saved and be a liberal, but you cannot be a disciple and be a liberal. 
The more you understand of God's word, it reshapes your thinking to think like the word of God. And really the renewing of the mind is the key issue for the Christian after he has been born again. It goes on saying this verse of scripture, for the Lord has a controversy against the inhabitants of the land. God has an argument with the inhabitants, the believers. Why? Because there's no truth, no mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. These three are progressive. First of all, he said, there is no truth. The truth here indicates the preaching and teaching of the word of God. Oh, the Bibles are still present. The ministers are in the pulpit, but they're not preaching the truth. They're preaching all the things around them. They might be preaching current events. They might be preaching getting involved in government, which is fine. But what is backing it? Is it love for souls? Is it love for the word of God standing on the truth of the word of God or just following trends of the day? So there was no teaching of the word of God. The word of God was present. It was there. They had Bibles or they had the scrolls of the Old Testament. But in this verse of scripture, it's simply saying here again, people now are left to their own thinking. What is right in each person's sight is what seems to matter. You make your own viewpoints of life. You make your own morality. But what God is saying, no, there comes a truth that does not change. And that truth is the word of God. It's called the truth. His word is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and the word of God is called the truth. No wonder Jesus Christ is even called the word of God. So what this verse is saying is people need an unchanging standard of right and wrong. And listen, even conservatism sways and goes this way and that way at certain times, but I can tell you this, the word of God does not sway. It stands stalwart. It stands like a wall and cannot be removed because God has placed it there. We cannot compare ourselves to other in our nation or even other nations. You know, oftentimes we compare ourselves to Europe and say, well, we're not as bad as Europe. Well, whoever said Europe was the standard? God is the standard. On top of that, we say, well, we're not as bad as Europe and maybe we're not, but you know what? As your standard keeps going down, you keep going down. If you keep comparing yourself to something that'll change, watch it. In this life, nothing stays that good. Everything begins to rot. Everything begins to fall apart. It's part of the curse on this earth and no nation keeps going on the same level as it always has, unless it stays with the word of God. So if we keep comparing ourselves to Europe, as Europe goes down, we'll go down. You can only compare yourself to God's standard, which is the word of God. With no standard, we make ourselves the standard. In the last days, men will be lovers of self. There are seven sins that God hates, and the first one is a proud look. Everything underneath that came from that word, a proud look. The verse in uh, Timothy, in the last days, men will be lovers of self. Everything listed after that comes from being a lover of self. Self Self-centeredness is exactly what we have today, and people are simply saying they are the standard. Next of all, it says, because there is no word being taught, there is no truth. Next of all, there is no mercy. This is the ministry of evangelism, telling of God's grace, his mercy to the inhabitants of the world. What God is simply wanting us to do is go out in mercy, in compassion toward people and give to them the gospel because it's the one thing that can change their life. Well, they need money. That's true, but they need the gospel first. Oh yes, I believe in helping people financially with clothes and all that. But listen, we are not some kind of ministry that just simply comes back to we're a charity. All we do is give away things because you know what? The more you give away things, the more they'll keep coming back. But if you give them clothing, but you also give them the gospel, get them born again, you may not see them as often after that. And eventually, 
you won't see them at all. They'll be out there self-sustaining and giving unto others. This is again the ministry of evangelism, the spreading of the grace of God and his mercy to the inhabitants of the earth. Then next of all, finding number three in that verse of scripture is no knowledge of God in the land. This is discipleship. Notice, first of all, no truth. Next of all, no mercy. Now, no knowledge of God in the land. This is, again, discipleship. God does not only want us to get saved. He wants us to become disciples. And this was found in the Old Testament, too, here in the book of Hosea. So, again, this is discipleship, mature believers. Spiritual believers form the salt, the preserving agent of the nation they live in. And God is simply telling them there and us today, it's time that the salt return back to get its savor. Return to the place where savor comes from, that ability to preserve, it comes from the word of God. So the abundance of truth produces stability. A lack of truth produces unrest, then anarchy, and finally destruction. Look at verse two. We'll end on this verse of scripture as we come to halftime here, the break on the program. By swearing and lying, killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break past all restraints. And then what ends up is bloodshed upon bloodshed. When we get back, we'll talk about this interesting order that they appear here, interesting words. I'll see you right after the break. Romans New Testament Commentary is a verse-by-verse teaching of the Book of Romans from the personal study notes of Pastor Bob Yandian. In his letter to the Romans, Paul clarified the principle of justification and whether it is by deeds of the law or by the work of God. Paul reveals that the law has never been a means of salvation and that faith has always been the means of spirituality regardless of the dispensation. This epistle also helps us to understand how we may gain victory over the flesh. If we as believers walk according to our new nature, the inward man, we are controlled by the Holy Spirit and not the sin nature. To order Romans New Testament Commentary, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down-to-earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, Come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Here in Hosea chapter 4, verse 1 tells us the problem with the land was there was no word. Oh, the word was there. 
Uh, the scrolls were everywhere and the preachers of the word were there, but the preachers weren't preaching the word. They might've been preaching a lot of other things, but it wasn't because of a lack of the word. It was a lack of concern over preaching the word. And it's amazing today how many pastors are throwing the Bible away and they're preaching just politics or they're preaching, let's just be good. Let's just be good uh, as a church to our community we're in. And it comes back to this, thank God for our communities and thank God for good communities, but still comes back to this, thank God for the word of God, the thing that lives and abides forever. The city I live in will not abide forever. The, the state I live in will not abide forever. The country I'm living in will not abide forever, but God's word abides forever. Notice what he goes on to amplify verse one in verse two. He says, by swearing and lying, by killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break all restraints and bloodshed ends up upon bloodshed. Swearing, first of all, was bad business practice. They begin to uh, look for more profits, ways to, to rip people off, not keeping your word. I can tell you this business people that are out there, you want to make a lot of money in your business, just keep your word. I can't tell you how many times somebody promised to come by my house and didn't come. And they had an excuse later on, but I often said, I mean, I told one of them, you, did you break your fingers? You couldn't, you know, hit the phone and call me and tell me you couldn't make it. And then they get mad at me like I should have known they were going to be late or not show up at all. Next of all is lying. This is perjury. It comes from a lack of conscience. You don't care about lying over the situation because why? You are the standard. If as long as it benefits your pocketbook, benefits your life, you will lie just to take and you don't care about anybody else. Again, what did it come back to? And that is self-centeredness. That's the whole issue of why people have bad business practices and they lie. Next of all, killing. This is murder. Increase in crime. We're seeing this happen all over the place. Why? Because people are lovers of self. Stealing. This is robbery, breaking and entering. This is the thing again where it doesn't matter if you've got those possessions. I want them. And as long as I want them, I'm going to have it. If I have to kill you to get it, if I have to lie to, to get it, or if I steal from you, break your windows, come into your house and steal it, I have every right to do it. The next one is committing adultery. And again, this is adultery, fornication, rape was going on, not caring about the lives of others, not caring about the, you know, the privacy of others, all the things that was happening. And finally, it says in, in the last one, they break out. This simply means they continually push past the boundaries. Breaking out means breaking out the boundaries. The word of God should form boundaries in your life. If you're not a Christian, then the laws of the land form a boundary around you. But if there ever comes a time of total self-centeredness, which is why Satan fell, which is why Adam and Eve failed. It's because they became self-centered. It says they break out. So they push past the boundaries and the boundaries are not enforced. So if they figure, well, if that boundary was not enforced, then this one's not going to be enforced. In fact, I find the first case of this is when uh, Eve was tempted by Satan. He said, did God say that? She said, yes. He said, we can't eat of it. He says, is that what he meant? And she added, but neither can we touch it. Where did she get that? God never said to Adam, you can't touch it. He said, you can't eat it. I think Adam added to it to try to keep her from even eating. And he said, God said, we can't touch it. And, and Satan said, has he? And so she reached out and touched it. And guess what? Nothing happened. Well, if this was a lie and I could touch it and nothing happened, then apparently I can eat it and it won't affect me. Notice this, it says they break out. They're pushing past the boundaries all the time to see if they're going to be enforced. Eve started this. Then it says blood touches blood, which literally means violence 
produces more violence, which produces more violence. And as long as they get past and they can get by with the violence, they keep on doing more and more and more. Look at verse three. Therefore, the land will mourn. Everyone who dwells there, lives there, will waste away. The, the Hebrew says they will languish and suffer with the beast of the field, the birds of the air, and even the fish of the sea will be taken away. This is why I'm offering the book of Romans on this particular one, because it so ties in here. Verse three ties in so closely with Romans chapter eight, verse 19 through 23, telling us that as Christians live, we even affect nature around us. We are so in league with them because at the time that the earth uh, went into its falling, at the time that Adam and Eve failed and the curse entered into the land and the, and the dust of the earth, not only did the beasts of the field suffer, not only did the grass suffer, not only did the flowers suffer, not only did the trees suffer, but also human beings did. But as goes man who started this, Beasts are affected by it. When there's righteousness in the land, it even affects nature around us. And verse three says, therefore the land will mourn. Everyone who dwells there will waste away. The word means to languish and suffer with the beast of the field, the birds of the air, even the fish of the sea will be taken away. The inhabitants will groan in confusion on the earth because why? Christians are in confusion. Everyone will suffer along with creation, with the animals, the birds, and the fish. Man's rebellion affects nature and all creation suffers because of it. And this is found again in Romans chapter 8, verse 19 through 23, that tells us not only does nature suffer, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ. The earth groans waiting for the coming of Jesus Christ. We are waiting for the rapture. Nature is waiting for the second coming of the Lord to usher in righteousness into this earth and remove the curse that was placed here at the time of Adam. Verse four goes on to say, now let no man contend. Quit fighting. Quit coming against each other and quit blaming one another. It's not my fault, it's the liberals' fault. It's not my fault, it's the president's fault. It's not my fault, it's other churches, it's other pastors, but I am okay. No, let no man contend or rebuke another. For your people are like those who contend with the priest. What's this saying? We argue and we get little done. We point at government and blame everyone else. We blame the Democrats. The Democrats blame the Republicans. We blame the liberals. The liberals blame the conservatives and back and forth. All of these are symptoms of rebellion towards God's word. You say, yeah, but what if I follow after God and there's still liberals around? I don't agree with the liberal. This verse is saying, you know what? But you'll have a love for them. The first thing you'll think about is what can I do to help them get saved? Instead of believing God that they're gonna get voted out of office or even gonna die in office, why don't you do this? Pray the prayer of the book of Timothy and that is pray for them that they will come and that they will be saved and next of all, come to the full knowledge of the truth. In other words, pray for them to get saved and become disciples. You say, well, I don't think they can. I, they're just too far gone. Well, that's what they said about Saul of Tarsus. Yet he got saved. He became a disciple and turned the whole world around. And even that, he had killed thousands and thousands of Christians. I don't think so far our liberals in our nation have done that. I don't think so far those who don't want our uh, constitution have done that. Or oh, it may be a goal they have later on, but I can simply tell you this. This verse says, why do you keep arguing? Why? Because you're a minister of God and the word of God. Why don't you begin to love them, begin to operate by the word of God and begin to have some compassion on those things around you rather than standing in constant opposition to it. Are we then left 
opposed and then blaming God? The answer is, yeah, we are. We're left opposing God and blaming him. Listen, I'm supposed to rise up in injustice in the world today, but what am I supposed to do? Hate the injustice, but love the person committing it. I hate the fact that babies are being aborted, but I love the girl that gets the abortion. I understand something about the baby too. Even though that baby was killed here in this life, they only killed the the body. The rest went to heaven and God's gonna raise that child. We'll see it again one day. But what God is simply saying is, why do you keep blaming all the people around you when it simply comes back to, if you became salt full of savor, you could help to affect those around you and be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse five goes on to say, therefore you, that's the nation, will stumble in the daylight. The prophet, that's the false prophet, shall also stumble with you in the night. And the world is filled today with false prophets. Prophesying things are supposed to happen in the next two weeks, in the next two months, and it doesn't come to pass and they go off to something else. And if you dare tell them, but the prophecies you've had before didn't come to pass, they'll tell you, don't touch God's anointed. Well, I'm not sure you're God's prophet if it's not coming to pass. I think one of the proofs of a prophet is that they tell and it comes to pass. There was a few, I mean, a few years ago, uh, there were those prophesying things for our nation and didn't come to pass. And there was a few that rose up and said, you know what? We're wrong. Forgive us. We were just prophesying because every other person was prophesying it and we were wrong. That is a good indicator too, to find out prophets aren't always perfect, but a good prophet, a correct prophet will even take correction into his own life. So the false prophet in verse five will also stumble with you in the night. That is the darkness he has produced. And he goes on to say, I will destroy your mother. And that means the nation eventually can even be destroyed. The nation stumbles in the day because they are in darkness. They are blind. The false prophets which are leading you will fall too, is what the Lord says. The liberal leaders, the false religious leaders, government leaders, press. The mother again is the nation and also false religion political ideology and education. The left wing, the liberal ideology will eventually one day be destroyed. Verse six goes on to say, and my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Notice this, how are we being destroyed for a lack of knowledge? And it goes on to say, because you've rejected, not, not that knowledge isn't available and not that there's not even ministers out there. We get to a point often as Christians where we fall for the thing of Lucifer. And that is we begin to love ourselves and think we have a right to establish what is right and what is wrong. If you're basing it on the word of God, he'll bless you. If you're basing it on your own thinking, he cannot bless you. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you've rejected knowledge, I'm also gonna reject you from being priest to me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. God said, it's not going to affect you. You're rebellion. It's not only going to affect you, it will affect your children. The people will be destroyed for lack of knowledge because the ministers have left the teaching of the word of God for a more culturally relevant message. God holds the minister accountable for teaching the word of God to the people. He told Peter, Jesus did before he left the earth, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, preach the word, and we are to preach to the church of God, to feed the church of God. God will reject the minister first who will not minister his word to the people and God will eventually replace him. Because they have neglected the word, God will neglect them and even their family. And Proverbs chapter three deals with this. In verse 33 through 35, the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesses the habitation of the just. Surely he scorns the scorner, 
but he gives grace to the humble. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. Simply comes back to this. Are you a fool? Oh, I don't think I'm a fool. Do you follow after the word of God? Well, I think the word of God's filled with error and there's problems with the word of God. Come back to this. If you think there's something wrong with the Bible, you have the problem, not the word. You're wrong, the Bible's right. Instead of trying to prove the Bible wrong, why are you wasting your time? Let the Bible prove to you you're wrong and the Bible is always correct every single time. Well, I don't understand. I think it contradicts itself. Well, you keep studying it out and you keep praying and eventually God will show you. He always does that the Bible cannot and does not contradict. Even the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit cannot contradict each other. All three were effective in producing the word of God you have in front of you. So again, he promises to bless the habitation of the just. Are you born again? Yes. Are you following after God's word? Yes, then you are just. And God can do nothing but bless you, bless you, bless you. And through you, bless the nation around us. I'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. Join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.